Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. I'm glad you guys are here tonight. It's going to be a really special night uh, tonight because we're going to, you know, God uses His Word to, to encourage us, to equip us, to help us to know how we should live. And also, one of the things that God uses in our lives, too, is our testimony. You know, there's power in our testimony, as the Bible tells us. And tonight, we have a really, uh, really neat opportunity, a really cool privilege to hear from a family uh, here in our church. Um, what we're going to hear, um, in addition to God's word tonight, is we're going to, to hear a little bit about their testimony as well. And so for those of you that don't know uh, this particular family, they've been a part of our church family for a number of years. And so I want to introduce you to our friends, Steve and Chisa Martin. So as we're going to hear from uh, Steve and Chisa uh, tonight, uh, what we're going to, to do, um, you know, as we, as we often do on Wednesday nights, is we'll just have some time to, to kind of get an update on a, a family right here in our, in our own church home. And the, the thing that Steve um, has been battling is a, a chronic condition that is called ALS. Now, some of you may be familiar with that. It's, it's a, actually a very rare um, condition, even here in our country. Um, ALS itself is a neurologic degenerative disease that affects the brain and affects the spinal cord and therefore affects the muscular system as well. And so um, I'm going to, as I mentioned, introduce you to Steve and Chisa. Um, you guys have been married for how many years now? It's, it's going to be 20 years next week. <laughs> 20 years next week. Next awesome. Wednesday. That's awesome. And we've personally known, known the Martin family here in our church for uh, a little bit over 10 years. We had a, a community group a number of years ago, and that's where we first met. And uh, so we've, you know, have, we've had quite the relationship as friends here through the years here in our church home. And so let's talk a little bit about um, ALS. Let's talk about the symptoms. And Chisa, I'll ask you, um, how, did, how did everything start? Like, how did you know this is what was going on? Um, it was uh, two years ago in May. Um, Stephen went to see doctor just for annual checkup, and then uh, the doctor noticed twitching on his arms and legs. And doctor said right there, right then, that it could be something called ALS. And uh, and we didn't really know what ALS is. So as we learned what it is, um, it was pretty scary, scary disease because. Uh, like Jason said, it's a neurodegenerative uh, disease that affects all muscles. So the uh, muscles slowly die, and then so he'll lose the function of walking and arms, and eventually maybe speaking and breathing too. And the life expectancy is ability is two um, two to five years. So. That was a pretty scary thing to hear that time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's because um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and homeschooling our kids. 
and uh, I'm from Japan, and English is not my first language. So just to think about, I could be a single mom, like in five years, um, in this falling country was really scary thought. And I think Stephen felt the same way because I was really dependent on him for everything. So. When it initially started, there were some symptoms that, that you may have suspected that it could have been. Um, so there was a little bit of uncertainty, but then there was a time where it was officially diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And when it was officially diagnosed, what was that like for you guys? It was, uh, so the symptoms started two years ago. And then that he was officially diagnosed last year, April 30th. Um, so it took a one year because uh, there's no test to really um, diagnose ALS, you just have to wait and see how the symptom develops. So for first six months or so, we thought maybe it's not anything serious because he wasn't, he was doing okay, just had a, a twitching, but otherwise he was okay. Even the neurologist said, you, you might be okay. You know, um, he wasn't 100% sure, but he said, maybe you're okay, you're healthy. So we were kind of glad to hear that, but then uh, last year, like February, uh, he started developing more concerning symptoms like weakness. And uh, so we went back to neurologist and, and he did the test. Um, actually, we went back and we were hoping to get the result right away, but he said, we need to do more, one more test. And so it took a couple uh, appointments. So then he was officially diagnosed last year in April. Yeah, I remember praying through that with you guys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the, with the, uh, the difficulty, obviously, that, that has been brought upon in this season, um, I do also know that God has really worked tremendously in your lives as well. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about that, how God has worked in your lives since, since Steve's official diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, God, I think, really prepared our heart for the diagnosis. Even before the diagnosis, we were hoping and praying that it's not ALS, but still God has some way to prepare our hearts. So um, he was, um, I was actually in Japan uh, visiting my family when he was officially diagnosed. It just worked out that way. It wasn't something we wanted to happen, but, um, but even before he, texted me the result God really spoke to me through song and prepared my heart what's coming and um, and he told me to trust him uh, for everything and and after the diagnose um, it's amazing God just did lots of miracles and moved mountains and after mountains and right after he was diagnosed so he was here and I was in Japan, but um, his coworkers that next day, he, um, he was diagnosed and next day his coworker um, just bought a ticket for him to come to Japan to be with us. So we were there for three weeks um, um, together and that was um, really a good time. Um, for the family to have that. Time. I know they've, they've been very, very supportive, uh, mm -hmm. your coworkers and um, have walked with you through this particular season. And, and for, you know, some of you guys may, if, if you can recall, um, there was an interview that was done on, on uh, Channel 9 where they int in, interviewed Steve and his family and even, you know, did some footage there at uh, Prairie, Prairie, 
Prairie Crossing, crossing <laughs> Prairie Crossing mm -hmm. uh, School down there in Parker. And those guys have been fantastic, you know, coming alongside of you guys. And, and you know, I, I know their help has been much appreciated. So, so Steve, I have uh, a couple of questions for you. Are you up to, uh, up to uh, <laughs> a couple of questions? Um, you know, physically for yourself, you know, Steve, how, how has it been? Um, sorry about my voice. I might be a little bit hard to understand, but um, physically, my body is not doing very well. My arms and my hands are very weak. They're almost useless now. I can't really do anything with them. And my legs are a little bit better than my arms and hands. But um, I can walk a little bit with a walker, but I'm not very safe. So most of the time, I have to be sitting down and in a wheelchair. Um, I can't do anything like I can't vacuum the house. Actually, that one makes me kind of happy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not happy. But um, my breathing is getting a little weaker, but I can still breathe pretty well, so that's a good thing. And my swallowing is still pretty good, so I can still eat anything like chocolate chip cookies. That might be a word from the Lord for somebody here tonight. Um, but eventually I'll probably have a feeding tube to help me to stay, get nutrition that I need. Um, so the most important thing I've been learning is that my body is just one part of who I am, and it's not the most important part. So, um, the ALS does not touch the most important parts, my heart and my soul and my spirit. Yeah. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says our bodies are dying, but our spirits are being renewed every day. And I have definitely found that to be true, that you know, those most important parts of who I am are not changed. My inside is not changed. My thinking in the way my mind is as sharp as it's always been, although Tisa might disagree with that one. But, um, so the bottom line is I have this neurodegenerative disease and it's destroying my motor neurons and my, all my muscles are getting weaker and it's hard to, to move and do things for myself. I have to depend on my family for everything. But besides that, I'm doing great. 
Thank you, Steve. You touched a little bit on um, spiritually how God is is leading you through this, and I think for any of us too, as we as we would think about you know whether it was ALS or something very challenging uh, that's going on in our lives, um, there can be a tendency for us to become angry, um, to ang- become angry at others, but in particular to become angry with God, maybe even blaming. Uh, God for the particular circumstance that we find ourselves in. And so, Steve, could you speak to that? Has there been, has that been a part um, spiritually of, of your journey? Um, we have definitely had times of great sadness and shed lots of tears together. Um, and th- it's a sad thing. We have two young kids, 14 and 8, and I didn't know they were up there. <laughs> there they are. But so times of sadness, times when we didn't fully understand why and didn't understand what God w- was doing, couldn't understand how this could be the best thing for our family. But anger towards God, so far I have not had any anger towards God. And I think that's because of my, uh, our family, our understanding of God's grace and our appreciation of God's grace. Because God does not owe us anything. He sent his son to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we can live eternally with him. And if that's all that he ever did, that's already way more than I deserve. But that's not all he's done. He's done, he's blessed my life so much and and he gave me a wonderful wife and kid and so many blessings in my life that I don't deserve. And um, he continues, every day he shows us his love and his faithfulness daily, even through this hard thing. And so, even though we have a very hard thing that we're dealing with, we're not angry at God. We're very thankful for all that he has done. Thank you. You shared a verse from Corinthians a little bit, a little bit ago. Is there any other particular Bible verse that has really, that God has used powerfully in your life that has helped you through this season? It's been interesting because every Bible verse is more powerful now. And every song that we sing is more powerful and meaningful. Um, So there are many. But actually one very special verse is right after the one I shared earlier. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, it says, For these troubles, our present troubles, 
are small and they won't last very long and they are producing in us any a glory that vastly outweighs our troubles and will last forever. So that verse brings a lot of comfort and hope to us because we have an eternal perspective. We know that this life is not all that there is and this body is not all that there is. And so no matter, for us, we have problems that seem so huge, but they're small in the light of eternity. And we have difficulties, they seem to last such a long time, but it's just momentary in the light of eternity. And so that verse has brought a lot of hope for us and helped us to deal with this difficulty. Amen. Well, what, what last thoughts would you like to leave with us? And that really could be for either one of you, or Steve, if you want to answer that, what, what are some last thoughts that you would like to share with us? Um, I'm, I'm finding out um, that Jesus is really all I need. And God is really faithful. Uh, as you walk in the Spirit, He really meet all your needs and um, answer your prayers. And when you really need to, when you cry out to Him, He always there. And I'm just, sometimes I'm in a really lowest valley where I'm so exhausted and I don't know if I can do another day. But God's been always faithful to give me strength and joy and peace and his mercy is really new every morning and um, and Jesus is really faithful God and I just I wanted to stress the fact that all of this it's not about us it's about God it's not about our positive attitude or how inspirational we are or how we're dealing with the hard thing but it's about how great God is it's not it's not about how amazing my wife is although that is true it's not it's not about how good-looking I am although that is also true <laughs> but it's all about Jesus it's about a God that loves us and he's, he wants to give that peace and joy and strength and eternal hope to all of us because we're not the only ones going through something hard. I know there are many people here dealing with very challenging things, but God loves all of us. And it's about an amazing God that wants to bless all of us in that way. So we don't want you to leave here thinking, oh, Steve and Jesus are so inspirational. I'd much rather have you leave here thinking, God is awesome. And it's amazing the grace that he gives to get through even difficult, very, very difficult things. 
God's love is wonderful. So, thank you. Thank you, guys. I tell you what, if by way of extension, if you guys would just want to hold up your hands, I just want to pray over this, this precious family here. Father, I thank you. You answered much prayer as you allowed for Steve and Chisa to be up here tonight. Lord, as we prayed for strength uh, for the two of them. Lord, for um, the testimony of what they've been through. Lord, to, to be shared, that would be an encouragement to us. And I, and I do thank you for them that although I do uh, find Steve and Chisa to be inspirational, Lord, I, I really love what he said. Our focus is on you, Lord, because you are an awesome God and because you have been faithful in all of our lives. And so I just thank you for this night, Lord, that you have ordained. Lord, we thought it was going to be last Wednesday, but you decided it was going to be this Wednesday that we were able to, to do this. And so we're thankful to have this night. And we just pray, Lord, as we continue on in a time of prayer, Lord, and as we hear from your word as well, uh, Lord, that you will anoint that time. Uh, Lord, that we would be encouraged in you and in who we are in you. And Lord, that you would be brought all the glory and the praise. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you guys are new to Wednesday nights, we do take um, or we give 10 minutes of focused prayer time uh, to be able to just break off into smaller groups of maybe two or three um, so that we can intercede together. And Steve and Chisa actually have put together our prayer points. And Steve, I don't know if you were up for um, actually sharing them or if you would like me to share them. And I have them right here. Might make it a little bit easier. Yes? Okay. So the prayer points um, are probably up there on the, yes, up on the screen there. And as you can see, um, the first one there is to pray for people who are struggling with various illnesses and disabilities, that they will receive God's grace, that they will receive peace, strength, and joy, and hope. And the verse that goes along with that is the one that, uh, that Steve shared in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction is but for a moment, uh, is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I just want to talk about the second one, is to pray for caregivers. We always think about the person who is ill, um, but I tell you, it's a lot easier to have ALS than to care for somebody with ALS. So if you know someone that's ill, reach out to their caregiver, their spouse, and bless them and pray for them. It's very, very hard and overwhelming. So number two is to pray for caregivers. The verse that's attached to that is Galatians 6, 9 which says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't, do not lose heart. And what Steve shared is very true. You know, for caregivers out there, if you have taken care of someone, it, it can be very challenging, very tiring, um, a place where you can become weary. And so another area to surrender to the Lord in our lives, you know, if we, if we are caregivers, but to pray for others who are in that place of, of providing care. And then the third request. Third one is uh, pray for us, <laughs> and especially for our kids, uh, Liana and Daniel. They're 14 and 7, and uh, they're oh, eight. <laughs> they're, 
they're doing pretty well, but um, it's a hard thing to go through. And just pray for our spiritual endurance that um, we can um, keep walking with God and receive His strength and physical provision. And most of all, all that God will be glorified through um, all this. And to go along with that, um, praying for our family, my mom and dad are here somewhere too, and they're doing a lot uh, for us too, so please pray for BJ and Nancy too. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to give 10 minutes of focused prayer time, and so if you guys want to break off into groups, two or three, and uh, we'll, take, we'll give those 10 minutes, and then I'll come, come on back up and share the word. Father, we thank you that you are our God. Lord, that meets with us through the times of rejoicing, Lord, and the times of great trials in our lives. You're the same God through all of it. And so we just thank you, Lord, for the great hope that exists in you. And Lord, as we have this opportunity to open up your word tonight, Lord, would you minister to our hearts? Lord, meet us where we are. As Steve had pointed out, Lord, there are a number of people in this room, Lord, and those joining us on the radio um, Father, that are going through a particularly difficult time. And so, Lord, would you stir our hearts, Lord, that we, as you would meet with us, Lord, that we would be encouraged in you, Lord, in your word as it speaks to us, uh, but ultimately, Lord, in, in our relationship with you. Um, Father, that our hearts would be drawn to you, and Lord, that you would be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you guys want <clears throat> to... Start making your way back. If you moved a little bit, uh, welcome to Calvary Church. I'm glad you guys are here tonight. As you make your way back to your, to your seats, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be going through God's Word together in a message that I have entitled, Well Content with Weakness. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you make your way there, we're going to start at verse number 8. All right. You guys ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse number 8. It says there, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In verse 10, it says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And as we, we heard here tonight, um, you know, from a family here in our own church of circumstances that are going on in their lives, and as we've already pointed out as well, in this very room, there are circumstances that we all are going through. 
you know, whether it would be something like ALS, as we heard in the Martin family, uh, or whether it would be cancer. You know I, know, I know there are a number of us here in this very room where cancer has touched our lives, whether it's us directly or loved ones that we know whose lives have been affected. You know, it could be something like chronic pain, perhaps, a circumstance that we deal with. Um, but aside from the physical as well, there could be relational things, relational circumstances that we are facing that have our attention as well, such as our marriages or our singleness and finding contentment with those. It could be job situations or relationships with other coworkers, those types of things that get our attention. And oftentimes, it's even money. You know, money gets our attention, a circumstance that, as I mentioned, grabs our attention. In the title of this message, um, Well Content with Weakness, I want to draw your attention back to the text because uh, where that came from as we review the text in verse number 10, where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's explaining to them a particular situation that he is going through and how God led him through that particular circumstance. We'll actually just begin back at verse 8 where we started, where Paul then says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, some of you guys, you know, may identify with that, that you have a particular circumstance and the examples that I gave or something else that's going on in your lives that it got your attention and you pled with the Lord. You know, you pleaded with the Lord, Lord, would you please remove that from my life? And I don't think it's wrong. You know, actually, on the contrary, I think it's a good thing if we remember to bring that very, the very first thing that we do is take that to the Lord in whatever that particular situation or circumstance happens to be. Take it to the Lord, and I don't think it's wrong to ask him, Lord, would you, you know, if this is within your will, your perfect will for our lives, would you remove that, remove that particular situation from my life? But, you know, the example that we see here as well from Paul is that he receives an answer back. And I've always found it interesting that if you have a red letter edition uh, Bible, you'll see that in verse 9, those, those letters, the response back from God are written in red. You know, this is something he received directly from Jesus, where he's reminded, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That was the response he got back from God. And it's a very real response that the grace of God is what he would find his sufficiency in. And even as it was shared with us, the encouragement that came to our hearts here tonight is that there, there is a sufficiency as we remember God's grace in our lives. You know, Steve did a nice job of pointing that out, that although they are going through something very difficult, the things that God has done in our lives, the favor he has shown forth, you know, as, as it was mentioned, if Jesus you know, did nothing else for us but to go to the cross to give us forgiveness of our sins. That's more than we deserve. That's, as we remember God's grace in our lives, we will find and, and appreciate more and more his sufficiency in all things, in every area of our lives. And then in verse 10, where, he, where Paul says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. In the NASB, it says, therefore I am well content with weakness. And that is where I got the title of this message. Um, because I really like how it's translated in the New American Standard. Paul says, I am well content with weakness. And the thing to understand here um, is it wasn't that Paul was glorying in his circumstance, in his difficult trial. The thing here is 
what he's teaching us through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's written word here is a perspective change that takes place. It's not the, not the circumstance that we're so joyful about, but it's recognizing that as God changes our perspective in regards to the circumstance, it changes our whole mindset and how we think about the circumstance. The circumstance is taking all of our attention. See, as Paul gave us that example, he sought the Lord very first thing. God's response back is, my grace is sufficient for you. And the perspective that tends to change as you surrender this to the Lord, if he does not remove it from your life, then it becomes a real part of your life and how you will then live in this, with this particular circumstance. See, God is going to use that circumstance and even use that weakness in your life for his perfect will. See, our lives are used by God as an example to, our, to other people, but also to ourselves as it, as it testifies to the power of God's work in our lives. If you guys remember in John chapter 9, there was a story where Jesus is walking along and he's with his disciples, he's with his followers, and there's a man who is sitting there who was born blind. And the, his followers ask him, you know, was, is, this a, uh, is he in this particular circumstance because of some sin that was in his life or perhaps in the lives of his parents that he finds himself in this situation now where he is blind? And Jesus responded to them in John chapter 9, verse 3, and says, It was neither this man nor his parents who sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So in other words, this man's circumstance of being born blind was something that God wanted to use in his life so that the works of God could be revealed in him. God was using his life as a testimony of God's grace and God's sufficiency in all things. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we all battle with different circumstances that we're going through. Um, you know, another one that comes to mind is grief, in particular, will we'll grab our attention as well. And again, it's not wrong that we pray that those circumstances would leave us, um, because I've seen that happen here in our own church, you know, where people have come up for prayer in, in regards to a, a certain circumstance or trial that's going on in their lives. And I've seen God do, you know, an incredible work where, where that circumstance was removed or that, uh, that pain was, was healed or that medical condition was taken away. And if that's how God chooses to answer, then, you know, praise God. You know, we give him the glory for that. But if God does not, you know, remove that particular circumstance, what do we do then? You know, are we still ready to give him glory for the things that he's doing in and through our lives? See, it's our perspective, as I was mentioning, that changes. We move from a perspective that is very horizontal, and we look out, and all we see is the circumstance that, that we're in, and it moves our perspective to a very vertical one, where we concentrate and focus upon our relationship with the Lord. See, in James chapter 1, I'll actually have you guys turn there. Go ahead and make your way to James chapter 1. Um, through, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, God gave a word to James to record the words that, um, these are pretty well-known verses right here in James chapter 1, that help us to understand and appreciate a certain perspective in regards to trials and difficulties that we go through 
in our lives. And so if you've made your way to James chapter 1, we'll start at verse number 2. And in that verse there, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And I'll pause there because we look at that, and I know a lot of times we could read a verse like that and think about our own situation and think, you know, God, that's probably the last thing that's on my mind is, the, is finding joy as I fall into various trials and whatever's going on. And see, the thing here to learn is it's, it's not the joy. The joy is not in the trial in of itself, but the joy is in the Lord who is God through the trial, through the great difficulty. God who is willing to walk with us as we endure that particular difficulty or circumstance. It continues on to verse 3 where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, how many of you guys are impatient people? <laughs> it's interesting because this is something I remember when I was, you know, a very young believer, and maybe you guys have heard this, this particular thing as well, that in regards to patience, it was told to me, never pray for patience because the way that God answers that is he's going to put you through a trial so it develops patience. Sound familiar? It's, it's an interesting thing to hear when you're a brand new believer because it really kind of messes with your mind. However, the thing here is knowing that the God who is with us through the trial, through the circumstance, through the difficulty, is going to produce in us a patience as we wait upon him. See, there is a great work that God does in the season, in the particular season of waiting upon him for the perfect work that he is doing in that situation. In verse number four, it continues on. It says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Other translations say that you may become mature. You become perfect and complete, lacking nothing, it says at the end of verse number four there. And that is the work that God is bringing about through the particular difficulty or circumstance that we go through, is he's bringing us to a place of spiritual maturity in order to, um, to walk through that difficulty. See, the truth is that every one of us faces trials. And what we do with that trial um, really determines our outlook and our perspective, laying it before the Lord and allowing him as he walks with us through that to produce a spiritual maturity in our lives. See, when our focus stays on the circumstance, what's going to happen is it's going to inhibit our spiritual maturity. See, you could be a believer, you could be in here tonight, having been a believer for a number of years that has walked through a particularly difficult trial in your life, and God is bringing about a change in your life, and that's what he desires to do. But the more that we resist the work that God wants to do and how he wants to use that particular trial through our lives, the more that we will find that we become very frustrated people. We become very frustrated Christians because of the, the circumstance and not yielding to what God wants to do in that difficulty. God uses trials, it tells us in the text here, to test our faith. And there's a, a famous saying that says, 
well, if God is testing our faith, when will that test pass? And the answer, of course, is when you pass the test. When you recognize that God is doing something in that, and he simply wants us to yield it, to submit it to him, to surrender it to him, and allow him to do what he desires to do in our lives. See, our lives belong to him. And I hope you understand that. Um, because a lot of times, depending on you know, your own particular situation and how you came to the Lord and how he got your attention, um, it, can be, it can be very difficult to yield things over to him and allow him to truly be the Lord of our lives. See, it's a lot easier to call him Lord than it is to actually allow him to be Lord in your life. See, that's what God is doing is he wants your life completely and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly surrendered to him. See, God using those particular circumstances, developing this spiritual maturity also increases our faith in him. It increases our faith. God uses trials in the, te- the testing of our faith so that our faith is then built up. Faith, um, we could ask, you know, what, what, what is faith in particular? And we have an answer to that, actually. If you guys want to now turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see how the Bible defines faith. God working through the trials, using those trials to develop and build our faith in him. God uses that not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of other people as well, as he uses these circumstances to build our faith. So now if you made your way to Hebrews chapter 11, and actually as pastor, you know, our own pastor is taking us through the book of Hebrews. I'm, I'm looking forward to him, you know, as he continues to develop our studies of getting to uh, chapter 11 and, and just hearing how God might, you know, use him to, to teach us about uh, about faith, uh, according to God's word. And as you guys uh, make your way to Hebrews 11, you might be familiar with this text. Uh, For a lot of people, they will tend to call this like the hall of faith. There's a lot of testimonies about the faith of people that we read about through the scriptures. Um, But at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number one, it gives us the definition of what faith is. It says in that verse, now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read that again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we've learned, you know, the things that we have learned in regards to who the Lord is, what he's chosen to reveal to us through his word. Um, But we don't see him physically, and you guys know that. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of faith for us to um, accept the things that we read in the scriptures that they are true and that they are things that God uses in our lives and applies to our lives that we not only read the scriptures, but the verses tell us that we live them. You know, they, they are a true part of our lives. And so if we're reminded that faith is a substance of the things that we hope for, everything that we learn about the hope that we have in God, this is the substance of it. Our faith is the substance of it and the evidence of things that we, right now, we we cannot see, but we believe, and we trust in him. See, as you make your way through Hebrews chapter 11, you read about the stories of people, you know, throughout the Bible, and how God sees them, that they were faithful people, 
you know, and they weren't perfect people because we've read, read about their lives in greater detail. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we're just, what's shown is that, look, these were faithful people and they serve as an example for us that we can be faithful as well. See, as we go through the, the chapter, and we won't cover obviously the chapter tonight, uh, and perhaps you'd like to go home and read it, but the commonality to see here when we read about the different people is that these are all God's people. Some of them experience what we would consider tremendous victory in their lives, reasons that we might have to be very joyful, you know, in the, if, the, if these are our lives that we're reading about, these things that have gone on. But others also experience tremendous trials of what we might consider to even be tragic. See, God uses all of it, and it takes a great humility for us as we learn from what we read in the scriptures to then yield our lives over to him and letting him be the Lord, however he chooses to be. And so you're in Hebrews 11, make your way down to verse number 32. For the sake of time, we will, we will skip ahead to that verse and just see how God might minister to our hearts through, the, through this chapter. So in verse number 32, it says this, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, in verse 33, who through faith did all these things, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And I want to pause there because we are told in the scriptures that the devil walks about like what? A roaring lion. And I thought that was, that was a kind of an interesting thing for, for us, you know, that through the power of God, stop the mouths of lions. As it continues on to verse 34, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And what we're talking about are people that invaded the land. And in the beginning of verse 35, it says, women receive their dead raised to life again. So as I pointed out to you, these are all, when we take all of those things into consideration, these are great things that took place in the lives of God's people. You know, through faith, they're able to subdue kingdoms, work righteousness, they obtain God's promises, and so forth as it, gave, as it gave to us. But as 35, verse 35 continues, we see a change, we see a shift here. It says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And as Pastor Ed has been teaching us, that what God is doing is better. What, what he does through Jesus Christ is better and superior. In verse 36, it says, still others had, trial, had a trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. See, these are all, in the same way, God's people. But you read about the things that they went through. You know, there was, there was a, a number of trials that we read about here, you know, as it tells us. Um, enduring trials, enduring mockings, scourgings, 
being stoned to death, being sawn in two, being tempted, being slain by the sword, all of these difficulties, God is the, it's the same God through the victories and through the difficulties that we face. See, these are still God's people. And as it continues on in verse 39, it says, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. And what it's telling us here, what the author is telling us here is that all these Old Testament, the Old Testament people that we read about here in this, in these, uh, this chapter of scripture did not even obtain the things that we now have. See, the promise that we've obtained is Jesus. We can look back upon him and know the Messiah in a very personal way, whereas the people of the Old Testament looked forward to that promise and not having been yet been fulfilled. They looked forward to Messiah where we can look back and realize that Jesus has come and the work that he has done on the cross is perfect and sufficient to give us not only forgiveness and, and a repair of our relationship uh, with God, a reconciliation that we, we could not have obtained it any other way, but then the Lord also gives us the victory to then live our lives completely submitted to him. It says in verse 40, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And then into chapter 12, it says this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And I'm going to pause there because laying aside every weight can look a number of different ways. But the thing that they all have in common is that it is a a distraction that's in our lives. It's something that gets our attention, that takes the focus off of God. So as the author of Hebrews is encouraging us, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We have these examples of people that have endured great victories and people that have endured great trials. And how we continue, you know, practically what the the, uh, author here is telling us of what we can do as we go through circumstances in our lives is to lay aside every weight, lay it aside, any distraction, anything that takes your focus off of God, lay it aside. Some of these, you know, not necessarily are sinful things. You know, we could talk about sin, but sometimes it could be a circumstance that just gets our attention and takes our focus off of God. It demands our attention, but yet where are we going to give that attention? You know, that, that, that choice is up to us. And so, as it continues on to verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the encouragement from the author of Hebrews here. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. And see, for any of you that have run in a race, you know that it takes a great amount of focus to go in the right direction. And that's where our focus needs to be so that we continue to go in that right direction. Laying aside sin, sin obviously is going to take us off track. And so the author of Hebrews here is encouraging us to lay that sin aside as well. Forsake it. Don't let it be a part of your life. Make that choice through the power of God to deliver you from sin because sin ensnares you and it's going to interfere with the run or to run the race that God has set before you in your own life. And so it continues on in verse number two. 
It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. There's that word again. Jesus is the author. He began it. The source of our faith is in him from the very beginning. And it also says that Jesus is the finisher of our faith. In some translations, it says that he is the perfecter of our faith. It's through Jesus Christ that our faith comes to that place of spiritual maturity, or even as it tells us, perfection. That's what, G- what, what God is doing in our lives through Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then it says this about Jesus himself. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Think about that. You know, as we've talked about this again in our own circumstances and considering this, we wouldn't read these words and think that there is joy that is found in Jesus enduring the cross. Jesus himself was not exempt from tremendous trials even in his own life. Yet he chose to suffer physically going to the cross because his joy is you. That's what Jesus wanted, uh, was willing to do, uh, to go to the cross because there was no other way that you could be reconciled back to God. And so it was his joy to do this. So understand the difference between joy, because a lot of times we will confuse joy with happiness. And happiness depends upon certain situations. There are things in your life that make you happy, but there's an enduring joy that's in your life when, you're, when your life is found in Jesus Christ. There is joy in, in and through every circumstance. And so even the example of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He, despising the shame, it tells us, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that was the culmination of what was taking place in Jesus' life personally, that he endured the cross, but he did not stay pinned to that cross. You know, they took his body down. They laid him in a tomb, but he did not stay there. And that is where our great hope is. You know, even as we consider the very definition of what faith is, that's where our hope is, in knowing that in the same way that although our bodies will physically die, God is taking us to that that same place where we also will have that same hope of being united together in heaven. Perfect bodies, exchanging these ones that we have now. Is there anyone in here that would say, yes, amen to that, that you're ready to exchange this imperfect body that we have now? Amen. (laughs) There is great hope in where God is taking us. And for Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse number three in chapter 12, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own soul. Consider Jesus who endured the hostility from sinners against himself. What was Jesus' response? You know, as they were nailing him to the cross, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. You know, there's still that heart, that compassion, that love that Jesus models for us that, you know, sometimes in our own lives, we might, we might know of certain people that to us we would say, man, it's kind of hard to love that person, right? But can you imagine what Jesus did there, what he modeled for us? 
These were the people that were punishing him, nailing him to the cross, and yet his heart was a heart of love for, for, what, for, for what they were going through, for who these people were, asking the Father to forgive them for what they did because they didn't know what they were doing. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And this is a reminder, as we talked about at the very beginning, that if our mindset and our perspective is on the things of the Lord, it's going to help us with the tendency that we have as people, because we all do this, the tendency that we have as people to become very weary, to become very discouraged in the circumstance that has our attention and whatever it might be. We become very weary, we become very discouraged in our souls. And so tonight, you know, even as you're here, I would ask you to consider your own life and whatever circumstance you have that's going on in your life that has your attention. Are you finding that that circumstance is making you weary and discouraged? Because if you do find that you are in that place, I would encourage you to understand and to seek out the Lord for what he is doing in that circumstance, in that great difficulty that you're going through. Again, I want to encourage you because I don't want you to walk away from here beating yourself up because that circumstance has your attention and because you're finding yourself in a place where, you know, perhaps you are weary and perhaps you are very discouraged in it. Because God is not, God is not going to beat you up over that. He's going to say, come to me because I can help you through that. I can walk with you through that great difficulty that has your attention. You know, as God, the encouragement here is to get our perspective to get our focus vertically on the Lord. Because if our lives are defined by weariness and discouragement, God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your focus upon him and not so much on the circumstance. Think about that in your own life. Where is your focus? Where is your perspective? Is it on the Lord? Are you allowing him to help you through that season of weariness and with the discouragement that is in your heart. And so, Lord, I just want to just pray for us collectively as a church, as a church family. Lord, I thank you for the great privilege that we do have, that we have one another, Lord, in fellowship, that we can share some of these, these difficulties and trials that we go through, um, Lord, to build up and to encourage one another. Because, Lord, what we simply do in our fellowship that we enjoy because of you is to point one another to you. Lord, that's the greatest thing that we can do in the service that we have to one another, is to point each other to you and the great hope that we have and the grace, Lord, that you have poured forth in our life that you have told us is sufficient in all things. And so God, help us. Because again, I know this room is full of circumstances and great difficulties and trials that we are currently walking through or we have walked through. And Lord, I pray that we will see your faithfulness, if we haven't already, that we will see your faithfulness through those trials. Lord, we thank you that you are the God, the same God, Lord, that walks with us in those moments of our lives where there is great triumph or great trial. God, you are so faithful. And even tonight, Lord, as we had opportunity to take communion, I, I pray that our, our minds and our hearts are continually drawn to everything that you have done in our lives and through our lives.
Lord, we've been reminded so much here tonight, Lord, to keep our perspective and our focus upon you. And it sounds so simple, Lord, as we, we hear those words time and time again. But Lord, help us in those moments of weakness where we forget to do that, where the circumstance gets our attention and there's a, a distraction that comes in our lives and we're not focused upon you. Lord, keep the enemy far away from us because the enemy loves to use those times as well to bring greater discouragement and condemnation upon our lives. And Lord, those things are not from you. Lord, you give us hope and you give us encouragement and you give us relief in the weariness. And so we thank you for who you are, Lord. Lord, we give you the glory. Lord, draw our hearts into even greater love and adoration of who you are. And Lord, as we walk away from here tonight, I pray that we would be built up in our faith, in our trust in you, in our obedience to allow you to be the Lord of our lives. And I pray for anybody, you know, if there's somebody that's here, that came in here tonight, uh, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you've been coming for some time, and you've come to the, to, you know, Calvary Church here tonight, and it's not because of our church um, that you would come in here, but rather because the Lord had an appointment with you tonight, that perhaps you realize you've never surrendered your life completely over to the Lord. You've never accepted the free gift of salvation that is offered through Jesus Christ, through his perfect sacrifice. And so I just want to give opportunity to, if there's anybody that's here tonight that you recognize, God had an appointment with me tonight. He wanted to minister in my heart and show me that he loves me and he forgives me for the sins that I've committed. I just want to give you an opportunity, if, if, you, if that's you, if I've described you, would you please just take a moment to just stand right where you are? And it's for the purpose that if there's anybody that finds themselves in that place, we just want to just simply pray for you and encourage you as you make that decision. I always want to give that opportunity that if you've never made that decision, that you would make that decision for yourself tonight. So God bless you guys in the back. Lord, we do rejoice um, with this couple that has stood up. Um, I was just, you know, if there's anybody else, we just want to give you opportunity as well. We're not in a great rush. We're, we're a church family here, and this is the greatest joy that we have is to see people give their lives to the Lord. And so we rejoice in what's been done here and those, these two folks that have stood up. Is there anyone else that would like to make that decision tonight? Well, God, I thank you giving us the privilege as a church family to, to, to be here tonight and to celebrate what you're doing in the lives of, the, of those that have stood up. Lord, that, you know, perhaps there are some in this room that didn't, and that, that's not what saves them, Lord. It's you that saves them. And so we just have the privilege to rejoice with them and just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, meeting them um, right here in this place here tonight. And Lord, for, for us as well, Lord, as your word went forth, Lord, I pray that it ministered to our hearts and encouraged us in who we are in Jesus Christ. And so we just thank you. And uh, Lord, so I pray um, for the two of them. Lord, pray for anybody else, Lord, that made that decision, perhaps folks on the radio. Um, Lord, we just thank you that you are still in the business of saving our souls. And so what a blessing, Lord, um, as we think about your goodness 
and your faithfulness in our lives. So we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.